All right, can you hear me now? Hey, well, it's great to have all you guys with me today, with us today, whether you're here in person or you're listening online. Either way, we're just so glad you guys came here to join us. And we, we're in this middle, in the middle of this series, this three-week series called When the Devil Knocks. And this is, this is in the, uh, uh, Satan or God or uh, Satan or a devil glorifying, um, glorifying message. But really for us to know how we should fight our enemy because the devil is real. And hell is real, and it's a, the Bible talks. This is a spiritual war that we're in right now, and he it's not that he he is going to attack us or attack you as an individual, but he has and will attack us. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. Greater is the one who is in us than he who is in the world. You know, and uh, Paul says, and Paul says in Ephesians six twelve, it says this. This is how he described this battle. That we're in, it says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in the in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There's more more to this world than just what we can see in the physical realm, but there is there is a spiritual spiritual uh, world out here that we that we're in. And if you missed last week, what we're talking about is our spiritual enemy. He has many different names in the Bible. He's called the devil. He's called Lucifer. He's called the accuser. He's called the deceiver, the destroyer. But he, but he's the father of lies. He's called the prince of peace. And we're going. And what we've been looking at in this message series is there were three aspects or three labels that that Satan has. Okay, and so. Three metaphors. So last week we looked and uh, looked at the idea of the deceiver. You know, Satan is the deceiver, and what we said was he he is the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. Right? He's on he's he's on to attack your mind lies. He's on lie to you to get you to deceive you and to get you to think away from the things of God. But we also said the second thing is this: is that. He, he says, it says this, here's one thing that, that we said, it says, he questions God's word. And it's not he questions as in the fact the way that we think about questioning God, because he knows what God says is absolutely true, and there's nothing going to change from that. But what he does is he lies to us to get us to start questioning the things of God, to question his goodness, so that we begin to question, is God really good? Right? But then we also said that, that he also likes to twist God's word. He likes to take something that God made good, and he likes to twist it. And we use this because it's an easy example, sex. Like sex is a good thing. It's a great thing, right? It's a good thing, but it's, it's good within the confines of the way God designed it to work. But what Satan does is he takes something that God's already created, which is good, and twist, 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 and he make, and he he says, "Oh, it's okay. Maybe that was written for them two thousand years ago, but not for you today. Don't nothing's going to happen to you." And then you then you fall into that trap, and you spend your life life with guilt and shame of should I have done that with that person or whatever the whatever the case may be. Because what we said that anything that goes against the way God designed things to work is wrong. But today we're going to look at this at this topic. At this label of Satan. And it's the idea that Satan is the accuser. He's the accuser. Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. The accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. For example, I want to tell you this story. Um, 
and she's not in here. That's why I love that she's working in kids ministry because, you know, I won't get in trouble today. She, I might tomorrow when she listens to this. But um, me and Brittany have been married. Brittany's my wife. We've been married for 11 amazing years, and we rarely ever fight. And when we do fight, it's about the dumbest stuff on the face of the planet, right? But when we fight, we make up for lost time. Like, it gets real hairy real quick, okay? Like, when, like you're like, well, Brittany, it seems like a little sweetheart. No, you should see her. She's not. It's bad, okay? Like, one time, she walked, up, walked over and opened the door and said, you get out of that closet, you coward, you know, because um, I was hiding from her. Just kidding. That didn't happen. But maybe. I won't ever tell the truth on that. But one time, but one time there was, um, we are, we are, I was a youth pastor and uh, loved what I was doing, right? And it was toward the beginning when we started. And it was like, I, youth ministry was, was crazy, you know. When I first started, we had like eight to ten kids. And when me and Brittany left, there was like, 50 kids coming. It was really amazing. But it was this is back toward the beginning of, of doing student ministry there. And um, we were going to get in the church van because that's what we had. And we were going to take the kids up to Wonderworks. You know, okay. We went to Wonderworks. Okay. It was, had a great time. Had a great time. Uh, and we got out earlier than what we thought we would. And so um, there was one parent who was like, I, I, they have to be home by 10. Totally understand. I want to be home at 10 to go to bed. Okay, no, no biggies. Okay, so we had a couple hours. So I was like, hey, why don't we just go up here to the strip? Uh, not like to strip, but to the strip. Um, and just walk up and down the road, blah, 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 you know. And it, and here's the crazy thing. Like, we had one girl at the time in the youth ministry. And and so Brittany was like, hey, can me and her just go do girl stuff for a couple hours? Absolutely, that'd be great. And so me and the guys were walking around. And I looked down at my watch. Well, I didn't have a watch. It was a phone, one of those Razor flip phones. Um, and it was 9.20. I was like, right? So I'm trying to call Brittany, because in the meantime, mom and dad were camping and uh, camping up there and had Zane, and we still had to go stop and get Zane. Do you remember us camping them up there? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it was getting late. So I was trying to get Brittany. I couldn't find her. So I told the, all the guys, hey, listen, we're going to have to get in the van. We're going to have to go. We're going to have to go and... Um, you know, we got to drive up and down the street till we see them. Well, we saw them. And I said, Brittany, we got to go. It's, it's like 930 by now. And Brittany was like, and just kept walking, right? So first time, I'm good. Calm down. You guys, we're just going to drive down another block and catch them with the next block. Okay. Little did I know Brittany and this girl was having a conversation and couldn't be interrupted then, right? So I didn't know this at the time. And... So I drive down to the next little block. I said, Brittany, we got to go. And she just walked around the front of the car. And I was like hitting the steering wheel with these youth group kids in the back of the car. All right. So I drive down to the next. So I'm starting to grit my teeth at this point. Okay. I get in and I said, I get in and I said I'm going to whisper it because if I scream, I said, Brittany, get in the dang car now. We got to go. It's 940. And she just kind of looked at me like, did you really? Just yell at me like that. Okay? And uh, she, they get in the car finally, and we're, I'm driving like for theological sake, like a bat out of hell getting, getting back. Okay? This is up in Rutledge. Like I had to get to Rutledge. And uh, me and her having little arguments back and forth, back and forth. And 
the next few days, I experienced the fiery darts of a woman. I'm just kidding. The fiery darts of accusation that you cannot imagine. Thinking back in the next couple of days after that trip, looking back while I was there, this is what was going through my my head. You are not a man of God. You shouldn't even be preaching. You're not worthy to be married to her. You are so unrighteous. You are so filthy. You are so undeserving. You're a bad example to not only your children, but those other kids who are in the car. Who, who say you see you as their youth pastor. Look up to you as a man of God. You let them down. How dare you let them down? And things just kept spiraling for the next few days. And it was like, I'm not a good dad. And then all of a sudden, there was this guilt. Like, I'm a failure. I'm not a good dad. I shouldn't be a pastor or youth pastor. And on and on and on. The fiery darts of accusations. And I, I, that guilt followed me for a long time. For days, it felt like. For weeks, it felt like. But here's what I hope you'll understand and what I had to come to understand. Those were not from my Heavenly Father who loves me. They are from my enemy who hates me. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Like, we hear these voices like you're unworthy, you're not good enough, you're not lovable, you're not trustworthy, on and on and on. It comes from our enemy who is known as the accuser not from your heavenly father. So here's, as we get going, here's my prayer for, the, for, for us. It's I found in Isaiah 14, 54, 17, it says, but in, the, in that, but in that coming day, no weapon turned against them, will, uh, against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. The benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me which is talking about the Lord, not me, but I, the Lord, have spoken. Then I heard a loud voice shouting. I'm not going to do that one yet. Sorry, go back. Like their vindication is coming. Our vindication is coming. So when these attacks come, don't listen to them because they're not from God who loves you. They're from, from, uh, from Satan who hates you because he hates you because you're created in the image of God who he hates. So let's talk about the devil the accuser. Revelation 10, 12, 10. This is what John called the devil. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. He has come at the last salvation and, pa- and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. Like he's already defeated. That's why at the end of my sermon last week I said we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Like we've already won. But the Greek word translated accuser here is this word diablos. Diablos. It's used 35 times in the New Testament. 35 times. And it's translated devil, adversary, or accuser. So, but it says for the accuser of our brothers and sisters. Who accuses them before our God day and night, night and day, on and on he accuses For the accuser of our brothers has been hurled down. He's been defeated. He is defeated by the risen Christ. He has been hurled down, but he doesn't stop accusing day and night. Like he he knows he lost. And it's not the fact that that he lost. No, he wants to drag you with him. So he's going to accuse you, keep accusing you, 
And what's so interesting is, is what the accuser will do is it's like before you sin, he lies to you, right? He says, oh, it's okay. Twist, twist, twist. It's okay. Don't worry about that. That was written 2,000 years ago for them. Like, you just take what's good for you out of this, and it'll be fine. And, and he lies to you. He'll, he'll say, go ahead and drive fast because you're mad at Brittany. Go ahead and slam your wrists and fists on the steering wheel. Go ahead and yell at her in front of all these kids. But afterward, the tone changes. He says, you are so unworthy. You're unlovable. You're undeserving. You're nothing. Before you sin, the devil says, go ahead and do it. It's no big deal. And everybody else, everybody else does it. So it's okay. Everybody else does it. It's okay. You're not going to get caught. Besides, who really cares? It's your life. YOLO. You only live once. After you do it, you're, after, and then after you do it, you're pathetic. You're so weak. You're no good. God doesn't love you. God will never, ever use you again. Sometimes he uses the church to tell people that too when they mess up, right? God will never use you again. You've gone too far. So before he sins, he, he lies. And after you sin, what does he do? He accuses. So in fact, if you're taking notes, you can do this. Okay? This is powerful. When the devil talks to you about God, he lies. He doesn't give you the full truth. But when he talks to you about you, he accuses. You're no good. You're pathetic. You're unworthy. You're unlovable. We're talking today about how to overcome this. How to overcome the voices of our deceiver. Remember what we said last week. What does your voice sound like in your head? Your voice. What does Satan's voice sound like in your head? Your voice. What does God's voice sound like in your head? Well, your voice. So how do we distinguish who's speaking to to us? And we said we have to know the word, right? So we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament, in the book of Zechariah. And here's the thing. Zechariah has this vision. Zechariah is this prophet. Okay? Zechariah is this prophet, um, and he gets this picture of this courtroom where a guy named Joshua, or Jeshua, but it's Joshua. Um, this is another translation of it. Is on, it's like he's on trial. And there's a couple characters that you're going to see in this. Okay? You're going you're gonna to see, you're gonna see God... Who is the judge. Right? And you're going to have Satan the accuser or the prosecutor. Making accusations about Joshua. And about Joshua's guilt. He's going to try to convince the judge or God. That, that Joshua is guilty. Because he's the accuser. But what's interesting is Satan actually appears. To have a case. Against Joshua. And Joshua's guilt. Because what he's going to say is Joshua's robes are very dirty. And, and as a high priest, their robes should be clean. Because filth is always a symbol of what? Sin. It's always a picture of sin. So Satan appears to have a case. Like perhaps Joshua, the high priest, really is guilty. So he's on trial. God is the judge. And Joshua is now being attacked by the accuser. And here's how the story goes. Zechariah 3.1. Then the angel showed Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. So let's pause there just so we can get a clear picture of this. I want to teach you a word that I learned in seminary. Okay? Especially in regards to when it says the angel of the Lord. That is an Old Testament picture 
of Christ. It's called a Christophany. Everybody say Christophany. Now you're Greek scholars, hallelujah, Hebrew scholars. Okay. And all Christophany is is a, is a Old Testament uh, Old Testament showing or, or Jesus shows up in an Old Testament story. You get a picture of this when, um, you know, the three guys who got cast in, in the uh, fire uh, because they wouldn't bow down to, a, down, down to a false god. And then they, so they throw in the fire and the next thing they know they open it up to see if they're dead yet. And they're not dead. They're not even burnt. They don't even smell like smoke. But there's this fourth guy in there that was Jesus in the Old Testament. They're with them. That, I just, wouldn't that be cool if something like that happened? You get in a tough situation. Like, oh, there he is. Okay, so what it says, he's standing before the angel. The Lord, what he's saying is, he's standing like Jesus is there with him in this moment. Okay, so Christophany, remember that. So the angel, so the, then the angel showed showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before God by the Lord. The accuser, Satan, was there, and the angel at the at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Joshua. And the Lord said to Satan, "I, the Lord, reject." Your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. The man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. So it's like, in other words, like he may be guilty. He may be dirty. He may not deserve to be a high priest anymore. But I am rescuing him. I am saving him. I'm snatching him from the fire. And I don't know how you walked in here this morning. What kind, of, what kind of guilt the, the accuser has thrown at you? Or what, who he says you are? Because you're not who he says you are. You are who Christ says you are. And he says, I have snatched you out of the fire. You're like a stick who has been snatched out of the fire. I've reached in and I've saved you. So here's the truth. Liar, the accuser. Joshua's clothing was filthy. He was guilty as he stood there before the angel. He was dirty when he should have been clean. So imagine standing before God and he, and he apparently was guilty. As we stand before God and we are guilty. Like have you ever like felt that guilt, that weight of that guilt in your life? Where you like you knew, like Joshua knew that he was not right. Have you ever felt that way? Like you knew it. Like you were right. And the, and the accuser standing there going, see, see. Angel, see angel, uh, Lord, see Jesus, he doesn't deserve this. Look how dirty she is. Look how, look how dirty he is. Look, you would not believe what he did yesterday. Like imagine though, standing before God, you're not just un- underdressed or dirty like Joshua was. But you've got this sin on you. You've got this stain of sin. You know, God, God is holy and suddenly like, oh my gosh, like you feel incredible guilt. And then imagine the prosecutor, the accuser, the devil sitting there pointing out what you did wrong. Like for me, it could have been, it could have been, which is all this would be true. Didn't you used to shoplift all the time? Didn't you steal like twelve hundred bucks from your work? Remember, you went up to the courthouse and you had to go to court and you had to do all this. Didn't like you remember that? You, hey, Jesus, you remember when he got Brittany pregnant before they got married? And I don't know what it, it may be for you. But it may be something like, didn't, didn't you lie? Didn't you cheat? Didn't you commit adultery? 
don't you battle lust? Like, I mean, you were looking at porn this week, like, and you're showing up to church like you love God. Didn't you just file bankruptcy? You couldn't even pay your own bills. You see that Jesus, he couldn't, he couldn't do that. Didn't you let somebody down? Didn't you hurt? And on and on and on, the devil accused us, hurling guilt and shame and condemnation. And this is what the devil does. He accuses you. He's the accuser who accuses God's people day in and day out. But before we get to the rest of the story, though, there's some really good news because we've looked at who the devil is, but I also want to look at who Jesus is. Who is the devil? If you're taking notes, the devil is the accuser. Who is, who is Jesus? The good news is Jesus is your advocate. He is your advocate. In fact, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. We have one who accuses again and again and again, but we have the Son of God sitting at the right hand of the Father saying, yeah, he is guilty. But that's one that we snatched out of the fire. That's one that we grabbed out. That's one that we don't, like, he can come in because he is good. He is covered by me. He defends us whenever the enemy attacks us. So here the devil is going to try to prove Joshua's guilt. And Jesus, and Jesus is the defense. So verse, going back to verse 4 of Zechariah 3, it says this. So the angel said to the others standing there, Take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Joshua, he said, See, I have taken, taken away your sins. Leave it there for a minute. I have taken away your sins. Like, I know you were guilty. I know you were dirty. I know that robe, it was tore up from the floor up. Like, you shouldn't have had it on when standing in my presence. You should have been clean in here. But it's okay. Because I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you something to hold on to. And that's me. Like, you're going to have my righteousness. You're going to be covered in my righteousness. I'm giving you these new, new fine clothes, he said. We'll just leave it there. Yes, you were dirty. Yes, you were guilty. Yes, you may be unworthy, but I'm taking away that which shows the residue of your sin. I'm taking it away. I'm putting fine garments on you. I'm putting on you something that you cannot earn or you did not even deserve. I'm doing it not because you were good or that you were great, but this shows just how good I am. Take off those filthy clothes. Put the robe of righteousness on him. See, I have forgiven you. And this perfectly parallels with the story in the New Testament, doesn't it? There's a story of a, of, a, of a father who had two sons. And the younger son wanted what was his. So his father gives him his inheritance. And he runs off and he, 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 he swindles. He, he, he goes and parties. He, he, goes, he had, lives life. And one, and one day it hits him that he is, has nothing. He is empty. And, he, and he, he's miserable. Like he's, he's working on a farm eating pig slop out of the, you know. He's miserable. And he's like, it don't, don't even my servants have it better in my father's house. So maybe I can go ask to be a servant. Because that's better than what I'm doing here. Little did he know that his father was waiting on the edge of town, not even mad, looking every day for him. Like sitting there every day waiting to see if his son was coming home. And one day when he was coming home, 
if you want to look this up, it's in, in um, the Gospel of Luke, um, Book of Luke, chapter fifteen. But it's his father's sitting there on the edge, and he sees his son coming down the road. And here's a, here's a great picture of God because in that time period, old men didn't run because it was it was not it was unholy for an old old man to run. It was it was not respectable. But he saw his son, and he began to run to his son. He began to run to his son. And he takes off his own coat and puts it on his son and says, you are my son no matter where you go. Take this. Let's go feast. And that's how, this is that picture of God here. Him on the edge of town, on the edge of heaven, waiting to see you come home. Because he's not even mad. You are always my son. Let's come home and celebrate. Let's go home and celebrate. So that's the perfect that's the perfect picture of what happens here in Zechariah 3. The high priest was guilty. The angel of the Lord, which is Christ in the Old Testament, says, Take off those dirty robes, put on the fine garments. See, I have taken your sin away. It's all about the grace of God. I've taken your sin away. And the verse 5 says this. Then I said, They should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban. On his head, and dressed him in new clothes, while the angel of the Lord stood by. And then the angel of the Lord spoke solemnly over Joshua and said, "Now leave it, leave it right there. Don't switch it. Go back. Go back. Okay, we're gonna have to train that boy." I'm just kidding. You're doing great. What I want you to notice is that the, what the angel didn't say. Jesus didn't say, "Now Joshua, after your poor behavior, we're gonna have to put you on a one-year probation for your poor behavior." And if you live up to our standard, we may be able to get you back into the service of the Lord, but at an entry-level position, and you have to earn your way up over the next three years. And, um, but you have to be really, really good over a three-year period, right? You might move up in the ranks, but you've just got to be good. You have to have no doubt or any sin. You're, 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 or if you have any of that, you're going to be taken out of the game. You just can't have someone with your character right now and your nature serving the Lord in that way. Because he doesn't say that. Here's what he says, go on. This is what the Lord of heavens, or Jesus, says, if you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and, it, and its courtyards. Well, wait a minute, you're not going to put him in an entry-level position? You're going to let him just be a trustee of the church? No, you're going to go back and you're going to be a priest. Over my temple and the courtyards, I will let you walk among those others standing here. Joshua, you're no less than that pers- other person over here. The angel ordered to take off his filthy garments, put on the fine garments, and he said essentially, return to the temple. Go back and do what you were supposed to be doing to begin with. And keep serving the Lord. Return to the temple and keep on serving the Lord. And I don't know who needs us in here, but maybe maybe you fell under the accusations of the devil, saying you're not worthy to serve God. And you should look at my, like and it's, here's him telling Joshua and telling you, no, you go back and you keep serving the Lord. You do what I've called you to do. Who cares what somebody else's opinion are, are for you? And I'm gonna tell you something. Even the church has done a really bad job at this. I've said, oh, you messed up. Well, then you're 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 unqualified. Oh, you're dirty now. You're unqualified. No, like you're like I'm not ordained by you. I'm ordained by the God of heaven. 
we got to quit living under the accusations of the devil, even if it's coming through people that we should trust. We should trust only what God says. Because he'll tell you, you can't and you never will. And after what you did and what you've, or you've been, or you've been away from us. You're no good. And you've had doubt. You've battled all with this, with this, and you're, and you've battled with that. And God says, No, no, no. I, I have forgiven your sin. Get back to work. Get back to the temple and keep serving the Lord. Get back in the game. Keep on loving others. Keep on pointing them to Jesus. Keep on loving in my name. Keep on lifting up my name. Get back to the temple and keep serving the Lord. How do we know whenever we do something wrong and we start to hear that inner sense of something like we need a Jesus, we need as Jesus followers to learn to clearly distinguish between the devil's accusations and the spirit's conviction because they're very different. The devil accuses, but the spirit convicts. What does accusation do? do? Whenever the devil accuses, it drives us away from God makes us feel unworthy like I'm unworthy I can't I can't even go to into God's presence but conviction leads us to God like I need his grace I need his mercy accusation makes us feel guilty and ashamed and dirty and distant but conviction shows us our need it pulls us closer into the goodness and the grace of God when Satan accuses us he wants you to feel guilty he wants you to feel feel shame He wants you to feel unlovable and unworthy. But whenever the Spirit convicts, it draws you to the presence of God to experience His grace and His goodness. It's it's the conviction that leads you to confess your sin. And it says this, that God is faithful and He is just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's conviction that draws you into the goodness of God. And whenever the Spirit convicts, we step into God. We step into His grace because He is good through and through. And if you're taking notes, I love what one pastor said one time concerning this. It says something to this. I can't really remember that much, but it says something to this effect. He said, the devil knows your name but calls you by your sin. The devil knows your name but calls you by your sin. He's, he's putting a label on you. This is what God does. But, but God calls you by, but God knows, you, knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. The devil knows your name, but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but calls you by your name. He doesn't hold your sins against you. In fact, I, I love how Paul describes this whole process. Like, how do we battle against the evil one? We don't, we, we're battling a spiritual battle, not a human, like, we're not in the human fight. We fight with spiritual weapons because he is going to, he's going to try to, to accuse you, to make you unwanted, to pull you away from God. And this is what Paul says. He says, for though we live in a world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, the they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. 
So whenever the enemy starts lying to us, accusing us, telling us that we are not or what we are not, we take that thought captive and we fight it with spiritual weapons. What, 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 do we, what do we have? We have the helmet of salvation, right? The breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, which quenches out the fiery darts of the evil one. The belt of truth, the shoes prepared with the gospel of peace. And we have the offensive weapon, the sword of the spirit, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, which is the word of God. We take the accusations of the enemy. We capture them. We make those thoughts obedient to Christ. Whenever, whenever we hear, you're a failure, you're no good. No, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. God is, God is punishing you. God is punishing you. No, my father is a good God. He gives good gifts to his children that he loves. This is an attack from the evil one. And what the evil one meant for harm, my God will use for good. I may be going through a hard time right now, but hey, I consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever I face trials of many kind, because I know the testing of my faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work in me. So I may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, I'm using scripture to fight this. And the devil says, after, we, after what you did, God can never use you. God doesn't love you. You're in big trouble, man. He's about to send that lightning bolt to strike you. God doesn't love you. You're in big trouble. No, I take that thought and I make it obedient to Christ. I will rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. I will rejoice because the Lord is near. I'm not anxious for anything but in everything by prayer and petition, I make my request known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard my heart and my mind in Christ. And the devil says, God doesn't love you. God is not with you. No, 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 no. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither demons nor principalities nor powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in creation because you're just created, devil. And one day you will be destroyed. But nothing else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. My God is with me, not today, devil. My God is for me, is with me, and he believes in me. Greater is that is in me than, that, than you who is in the world. No weapons formed against me will ever prosper. I will silence every voice raised up to accuse me. I am, I am not who the devil says I am. I am not what the devil says I did. I am who Christ says I am. He says, I am a child. I belong to him. I am a kid of the king. And the very same spirit that conquered the grave now lives in you, Tabitha. You've got it to fight it. You got everything you need. Everything you need. When the devil accuses and tells you what you're not and what you can't do, you capture that. And you make it obedient to Christ. You fight back with the word of God. 
the sword of the Spirit, you are not who the enemy says you are. I said this before, I think several months ago. No one's able to label you except for the one who created you. When he tries to talk you out of living for God, glorifying God, to make a difference, to be connected to people, we have to remember he has a mission to still kill and destroy everything that matters to God and that means you and he's attacking you with accusations with accusations with accusations he's going to keep coming after you saying you're not worthy you're not good enough you don't deserve this but the cross tells us Whoever believes or whoever comes, my arms are open wide for you. Let's keep fighting, keep going. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. There's a reason that's such a popular book. A little engine that could. when he's attacking you with these accusations, with these lies, when, he, when he's telling you you're unworthy, you can just look at him and say, I have an advocate that's bigger and badder than you. You have a defense. He is seated right next to God the Father, and he is telling God, God, this one's ours. This one's ours. This one isn't his. It's ours. And he says, no. He says, no, that's not true. What Satan's saying about them what Satan's saying about Joshua is not true. I snatched that one from the fire. Let me tell you what's true. There's no condemnation. She is new in Christ. He is forgiven. He is made new. Don't ever let the devil talk you out of doing what God created you to do. So my prayer for you is very simple. Because I've heard it. Because I've experienced it. Because I hate it. You're not good enough, Derek. You shouldn't be a preacher shouldn't be a pastor you're not worthy of this marriage you're not you're not a good example no 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 the righteousness of Christ is my righteousness I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out the, the spirit of truth dwells within me the devil is a liar Jesus is the truth the devil is a liar Jesus is the truth and the truth will set you free so when your enemy accuses this is my prayer for you that no weapon turned against you will succeed. That by the power of truth, you would take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ because you know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. And the good news is you have a Christ, you got Christ defending you and standing with you. He's by your side. We often hear, well, you got to believe in God. Well, that's absolutely true, but to know that God believes in you. It's a big, big deal. Christ defending you and standing with you, and greater is the one who is in me and standing with me than you who are attacking me. So you get behind me, Satan. Not today, devil. Not today. Let's pray. Dear God, I want to thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to be here, and that's my prayer. That whenever the devil tries to accuse us, whenever the devil tries to 
to, 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 to throw us off course that we remember that we remember that he does not win we've already had victory we already, we already, we've already won and may we fight this battle may we know you so close and know your word so close that every time he comes to us to accuse us we can say that's not true because Jesus lives in me and I have his righteousness. I may have screwed up and I may be a little bit dirty. My knees may be, be a little bit skinned up right now, but I know I have a healer and I know he's, he's forgiven me and I'm, I'm going to live in that. I'm going to live in the freedom that is in Christ. And I pray all this in your name. Amen.